you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord here tonight. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Nehemiah chapter 4, and verse number 10. Good to see everybody in the house of God here tonight. Amen. Got a lot of people that have texted me, and um, a lot of folks are sick, and a lot of uh, other circumstances going on. Uh, but I just want you to know it's temporary. Hallelujah. It's just temporary uh, because I'm telling you, the devil's going to fight, but God's going to win. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse number 10. The Bible said this, and Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. Skipping down to verse number 13. Therefore, I said I in the lower places behind the wall, and in the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your houses. They said the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. And the response was, I'm going to put some people in the gaps. And you're going to fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And I want to preach us for a few moments on this Wednesday night. Fight for the gaps. Fight for the gaps. Would you set your Bibles down? Let's pray. Come on, lift up your voice all across this building. Hallelujah, God in this house. This is going to be a church full of people that fight for the gap. Hallelujah, that prays for the gap. Jesus, we worship you. We glorify you. We praise you, Lord. Come on, somebody pray all across this building. I feel victory in this house. I feel the glory of God flowing through this building. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's give him one more hand clap of praise and a shout of victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell him God bless you and you may be seated. Hallelujah. Fight for the gaps. The book of Nehemiah is a story of one man that really probably should not have been written about. Nehemiah was a simple cupbearer, and he was just another slave that was part of the exiled children of Israel. We probably never should have heard about Nehemiah again. He should have been written off uh, is just another casualty of war because he was part of the many 
that when the enemy came in and began to destroy Jerusalem, he was amongst those, he was part of that group that got taken away. There was some that were, that were killed and others were led out of their, their territory. This was a way of, a, of the, nation, the other nation uh, utterly conquering. And they were trying to make sure that they no longer had an identity. And can I tell you here today that that is what the devil would like to do to some folks. Get you so removed from where you're called to and get you so removed from where you're supposed to be that ultimately you lose the identity that God has placed on your life. Amen. But can I tell you, amen, the devil doesn't win. The devil doesn't win. The enemy never wins. We have an identity that goes beyond a place. It goes beyond a position. We have an identity, and it is found in the almighty God. Somebody praise him. So, this man, Nehemiah, he's just a simple cupbearer. He's working for this, this king that is, that is part, partly responsible for holding the children of Israel captive holding them back and and in this place of being a cupbearer we know that somewhere he got comfortable just being a servant and a slave we know this because the minute he changed his countenance the king noticed the minute he no longer had a smile on his face no longer enjoyed it no longer was happy where he was the king took notice of that and we could preach a lot about here about uh, how an apostolic should go to work, and we'll get to that another time. But uh, we should not have a sad countenance. Amen. There should be a smile on our face. Amen. Every day we go to work. People should be able to notice that about us. But the Bible lets us know that Nehemiah was troubled in his spirit, and he was genuinely saddened at this place in his life. The Bible records that his sadness stemmed from the news that he received. He heard about the condition of Jerusalem. He heard about the condition of his home country and of his people. And he'd heard that the walls of Jerusalem had been destroyed and that his city was left in ruins. And Nehemiah could have just stayed and, and not worried about it because I don't live there. I'm no longer a part of that. But there was something in the heart of Nehemiah that got burdened for his city that got burdened for his people, that got burdened for something outside of himself. Can I preach to somebody for just a moment? There's got to be a burden in the heart of an individual, an apostolic person that goes beyond ourselves. We are living in a culture. The Bible says they shall be lovers of them own selves. And we are living in that culture that is so consumed with themselves. They cannot see beyond their own nose. They can't see beyond themselves. But if there's ever been a moment, if there's ever been an hour for a people to rise up that has got eyes that see beyond, it is right here and it is right now and it is in this church. Oh, Somebody praise him. Hallelujah. We've got, to, we've got to be careful because it's so easy to get consumed on ourselves. It's all about me. It's all about I. We've got to throw that aside. We've got to throw that aside. That is the spirit of this age. Amen. Somebody's got to realize it's not about me. It's about God. 
It's not about me. It's about my brother. It's about my sister. It's about my city. It's about my world. Amen. If you start getting caught up on, on, on yourself, you'll always throw a pity party. And they say misery loves company, but it'll be miserable by itself if it has to. And there's people I know that are like that, 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 that just one thing goes wrong in their world. And they're ready to throw in the towel, ready to give up. Everything's gone down because all they're focused on is themselves. That is not the will of God. That is not the will of God. Amen. And, and here, the Bible lets us know that Nehemiah was not one of those people. When he heard the news of what was happening around him, he was not so consumed with what he was going through. Uh, he was a slave. He had every right to say, well, I I've got problems and I've got troubles. And, and no, this, this man, Nehemiah, said, there's bigger troubles than me. And he got a burden to see his city revived again. Uh, he got a burden to see things back the way that they should be. Uh, he got a burden for his people, for the people of God. Bible says that chapter 1 lets us know that he, he started taking steps to start this revival because there are always prerequisites to revival. Verse 4 records that he wept and he prayed to God. Can I preach to the church here for a moment that, that if, we're, if we're ever going to have revival, and I know that word is thrown around, um, and when we say revival, we mean lost souls coming to God. We see people that are hurting and broken fixed. We see people uh, that, 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 that have been saved for a long time stepping into the ministry God has for them. And, and if we're ever going to see that, a genuine move of God, a genuine revival, it will always be preceded by a spirit of prayer. It will always be preceded by an attitude that says, I know things are bad right now, and I'm not about to grab a picket. I'm not about to grab a sign. I'm about to hit my knees, and I'm going to start praying. Oh, somebody worship him. Come on, I know the world's gone crazy, but it's not time to pick at the abortion clinic. It's time for the church to hit their knees and start praying and start weeping and start crying out to God, the only one that can truly mend and truly fix. Oh, somebody worship him. Let's do that for a moment. Let's pray. Let's pray. Come on, hallelujah, let's pray. Hallelujah. Let somebody pray for just a moment. Let's come on. It takes getting beyond yourself to pray. It takes getting beyond what you're going through to pray. But when you begin to pray, things begin to change. Things begin to happen. If the church begins to pray, the city begins to get revived. When the church begins to pray, people get changed. The Bible says that in verse 6, he also began to repent. Cry out to God, and, and I'll tell you this, that repentance also precedes revival. Amen. Now, you can't repent for somebody else's sins. I, I don't want to get misunderstood. The world's got their own things they got to repent for. But if repentance is ever going to happen in the world, it's got to start in the church. Uh -huh. If repentance is ever going to happen in the city, it's got to start in the church. And that means people have got to start saying, you know what, God, there's some things in my life, some areas of my life, and they are hindering me from really being effective in your kingdom. And i got to throw them off to the side. 
And the minute we start doing that, the Bible says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. It's after we've turned. Uh, the Bible says, then I'll hear from heaven. Uh, there's some prerequisites we've got to get in order. Uh, say, God, uh, we've been praying. We've humbled ourselves. Uh, but now, God, there's some areas of our lives. Uh, we've got to start removing ourselves from these things. Uh, we've got to start repenting and turning from these things. Uh, and when the church gets that right, uh, the world comes in uh, and they see that the atmosphere has been set uh, and they start saying, we want to be a part of this. Uh, God says, I'll hear from heaven. I'll begin to forgive your sins and I'll begin to heal not just you. I'll heal the land. I'll heal it. When the church gets it right, the world can get right. When the church starts repenting, there gets a place where the world can come and find a place of repentance. But it starts right here. Oh, somebody praise him. Come on, let's lift up our voice and let's magnify Jesus. God, help your church to get on that level. God, help us to get to that place where if there's anything hindering revival in my spirit, God, remove it so that somebody else can be saved. God, remove it from my heart first so they can come in and find purity of spirit. Oh, somebody praise him. Lift up your hands. Hallelujah. to pray, Nehemiah began to repent because he wanted revival. And it all comes down to what we want as a church. If we want just a group of us four and no more, we can live however we want, do whatever we want, pray if we want to or don't pray if we don't want to. But if we ever want to see city shaking, region shaking revival, it's going to take a group of people that are committed to pray. It's going to take a group of people that are committed to say, you know what, God, I'm just going to remove some things from my life. I'm going to get beyond myself. Amen. That's why we call it outreach. We got to reach out. We got to go from beyond ourselves. We've got to say, you know what, God, what is what you're wanting to do in somebody else's life is more important uh, than me wanting to have it my way or do this or do that. Uh, God, go ahead and have your way. You know how much easier it would be if we just said, God, you go ahead and have your way. I'm just going to get out of the way. You go ahead and take care of it and bring a lost, hungry soul, and they won't have to worry about my spirit. They won't have to worry about my attitude. No, they can come in and they can know there's been a church that's been praying. They can know there's a church that's got it right. Let's come on, somebody worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Nehemiah did all this. The Bible says he then gets permission from the king to go back and restore the walls of Israel. Amen. I don't have time to talk about that maybe another time. But if you want to rebuild, God will give you permission. You want to tear down, cause division, you don't get permission from me. <laughs> and you probably don't have permission from your neighbor. Hey, you need to watch out for people that are trying to cause division. In the church, out of the church. Let me just preach about that for a minute. Anybody that tells you, amen, that they've got a word for you, they've got, don't listen to them. If God hasn't spoken direct, you're a, if you're a man, you should know God's got the authority to speak to you as a man. Uh, I'll preach that for a moment. Amen. I'm telling you, we've got to get beyond here in the parking lot prophet that says that I've got an easier way for you, a better way for you. You've got to throw that junk to the wind and say goodbye. Goodbye. I've got to hear from God. And until I hear from God... I I'm not about to make decisions that I haven't prayed about. I'm not about to make decisions I haven't fasted about. Come on. I'm not about to make decisions that could change the course of our destiny, of our family, without first talking to Jesus. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray for a moment.
Come on, we're going to kick some things out, and we're going to let revival come in. We're going to make some, some lines straight, and we're going to let God move. Somebody pray. Somebody pray. Somebody pray. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, you got to shut that voice out of your ear that's trying to cause division in your life and causing you to go wild in your mind. I mean, you're confused, and it's not of God. It's, it's of the devil, and we're going to pray victory in your life. Somebody pray. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. And, and as soon as he gets there, the king sent him. The king pays for revival. Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. King makes sure he gets taken care of, but you better believe it. The minute he shows up, the minute he shows up to do something and make a difference, the enemy shows up. The minute that you make a decision, I'm going to do something for God, mark it down, the devil will show up. The minute we make it up in our minds, so there's some folks that have already expressed, I feel like God's called me for this, that, and the other. I have waited for it, not prayed for it. I have waited for it for the devil to show up and start speaking in their ear. Hey, hallelujah. Can I just preach to somebody? Amen. Because what they're declaring is a word from God. What they're declaring is right. And the devil takes that word. And his job is like the birds of the air to come and swoop up that word and stop that word. And that's how the devil works in the church. He wants to come by. And anybody who professes they want to do something for God or anybody who is used of God. Listen, if you are used of God in this church, you better have your prayer life ready. And I'm talking about, I don't care if you're, if you're coming to church, uh, if you're ushering in the back, it doesn't matter what you do. You've got to have your spirit right. Uh, You've got to have your, you got to be praying. Because the devil speaks to flesh. It is the carnal mind that is the enemy of God. And he'll speak to that mind and he'll start twisting this and twisting that. And the truth is he's trying to get you off course because he doesn't ever want you to get finished with what God has started. Oh, somebody pray. Hallelujah. I'm going to break through some things here tonight. Amen. It's not of people. It's of the devil. It's not people's spirits. It's the devil trying to come in and hinder people from being used of God. Amen. I'm telling you, we're going to have revival. We're going to have revival. We're going to have revival. God is going to use you. God is going to anoint you. And the devil will not win in your life. Oh, somebody pray. Somebody pray right now. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody lift up your voice. Devil, you might show up, but you're about to get kicked out. You might try to talk in some people's ears, but you're about to get kicked out in the name of Jesus because there's anointing on their life. There's favor on their life, and you will not win. Oh, somebody pray. Nehemiah 2 and 10 says that when Sanballat until by of the servant the Ammonite heard of it. It grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. That is just like the devil. Anytime somebody really wants to do something for God to benefit God's people, it grieved the heart of the enemy. Hey, you want to give the devil some tears, just go ahead and start working in the kingdom of God. You want to make the devil start crying? Just, you know, some people say, well, just dance. No, brother, go find a Bible study. Teach it. Go find a brother that's downtrodden and lift him up. Go find somebody that's hurting and broken and start fixing them. 
Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's get down to the practical. And here uh, he shows up uh, and they get they get grieved in their heart uh, because somebody is actually concerned uh, about their brother. Uh, and if there's ever been a place where the devil gets mad uh, and gets frustrated, uh, it's when people start caring about the person on the other pew. Uh, it's when he comes into a church uh, and he sees a body of believers uh, that is really concerned uh, about their brother uh, and about their sister and about their oh come on the devil gets bothered by it but I'll tell you what it does it causes joy in God it causes joy in the heavens when just one sinner repents when just somebody starts making it up in their mind I'm going to live for God and I'm going to help everybody else live for God angels start rejoicing devils might cry but I'll tell you what there's a God in heaven that's rejoicing and there's a church rejoicing oh somebody praise him the devil gets bothered by people that are looking to, that, that people that start caring the devil works with apathy don't care about anything get numb to everything hey I'm going to just preach we can, I, I'll, I'll save the short sermon for next Wednesday hallelujah but since we're here let's just talk about it because I've been praying here all day and I've been feeling the devil's been fighting some folks and you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to numb you. He's trying to get you to become apathetic. And the minute you start caring again, the minute your heart starts beating again, amen, for the things of God, he's immediately concerned because he knows that if your heart ever starts beating for the things of God, he might not be able to stop you. He may not be able to hinder you, amen. And so he doesn't like it when the people of God go from being careless to compassionate. If there's ever been a time for God's people to become compassionate, it's now. The world hates the church. The devil hates the church. God and his people should love the church. Amen. And so he comes and shows up. The devil shows up too. The Bible says that, that Sanballat's name means an enemy in secret. Because the enemy always works in secret. That's why the Bible says that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He works with craftiness. Uh, don't ever expect the devil to show up with horns and a pitchfork at your life. The Bible says even Satan is transformed into an angel of light. And he will offer you everything you've ever wanted. Mm -hmm. He showed Jesus all the world in a moment's time. Because Jesus came to seek and save the world. He said, no, you don't need a cross. You don't need pain. You don't need suffering. And he'll always try to show an easier way, but it's not God's way. A convenient way is not God's way. You've got to go the right way. And he'll try every tactic in his book to get you tripped up. And the Bible says that, that one of these tactics, it lets us know that in trying to hinder the rebuilding of this wall, one of the tactics he used was discouragement. They would do their best to make the children of Israel feel as if their work was meaningless. And I'll tell you, if there's ever been an hour where I felt this attack on the church, it's right now. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your energy. You're not making a difference. Can I, can I just rebuke that lie as the pastor? 
You're not making a difference as a man or a woman, a husband or a wife. You're not making a difference as a Christian, as a minister. You're not, you're not making a difference in the city. You're not, you might as well stop because you're just doing a little bit, and that little bit's not enough to really make a difference. Uh, amen. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the Bible says it's a little leaven that leavens a whole lump, and you don't need a whole lot. Uh, but if you'll just take the little bit you got and insert it into into your ministry and insert it into the city and just take your little difference making and plant it it'll begin to grow and it'll begin to expand and it'll begin to make a bigger difference than you or I ever anticipated so you ought to tell that devil you're not going to discourage me from doing my little bit and playing my little part because what seems little now will expand what seems little now will grow what seems insignificant now is the most significant thing that I could do. Oh, somebody praise him. The devil will come by and try to discourage people. You're wasting it. Don't let anybody tell you that. Don't let any, don't let any voice in your ear tell you that living for God is a waste of your time. You're not going to make a difference. That's a lie of the devil. Then they tried to send false prophets to try and convince him that it wasn't even God's will to rebuild. Gotta, I'm telling you, we're going to fight the parking lot prophet here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> you got to beware. Well, they might even have the tag or the badge of preacher. You got to beware of people that are telling you it's not even the will of God for you. It's not the will of God. Since when does somebody else get to speak into your life? Since when do you give ears to every voice and every wind of doctrine? You need to make it up in your mind. If I haven't heard from God, if I haven't heard from God, if he, if he, hadn't, if he hadn't laid it on the ground and put that fleece and made it wet and then made it dry, if God hadn't proven it to me time and time again, I'm not listening to every single voice that comes by because they don't have your best interest at heart. The devil would love to come and get people so distracted uh, and get people so lied about and lied to uh, that they start feeling like maybe I am out of the will of God. Maybe because I don't see anything happening. Maybe I should get up and move and do this and do that. Uh, you got to hold on until God speaks. Uh, you got to hold on until God comes through. You don't need a word from a parking lot prophet. You need a word from God. We don't live our lives on words from everybody coming around. We live our lives by the word of God. We live our lives by the principles of faith. We live our life, and that's what matters. That's what you build your life on. You oh, somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. I rebuke that lying spirit that's been talking to some folks. I'm telling you, you're in the will of God. You're in the will of God when you're rebuilding the kingdom. When you're restoring the kingdom, when you're being used, come on, that's the will of God. Somebody praise him. Lift up your hands. Let's lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, I feel it. I feel it. I just came to preach to somebody. I've been praying at the church all day, and I just came to preach a word to somebody. You need to throw every other voice out of your ear and say, God, I need to hear your voice. Amen. I need to hear your voice because the devil's the father of lies, and he'll come by and try to get you tripped up, and he'll get you off step, and he'll get you out of the will of God, but God's word will never compromise. God's word will never quit. God will always keep you on the straight and narrow and on that right path. you got to follow God. Oh, somebody praise him. 
He then tried to disqualify Nehemiah by sending letters that lied about him. Don't lie about your brother or sister. You will do the work of the devil. Uh, I'll preach right now. The Bible says he is the accuser of the brethren. And you don't want to be the carrier man or woman for the devil's mail. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, let me just pass it for a minute for some folks. Uh, you don't need to go and talk about nobody. Uh, amen. I don't care. Uh, you want to talk about them? Uh, why don't you start by praying for them? Uh, why don't you? The carnal mind says, uh, I heard it, so let me, it must be true. Uh, let me just go talk about it. Uh, but the spiritual mind says, no, I got to pray because that's my brother. That's my sister. Oh, hallelujah. Trying so hard to get him off track. He's doing everything he can. Hey, if you ever hear something about me, come talk to me about it. Because the devil's going to come by and try to disqualify me. And every minister in the church, don't talk about anybody in the church, but definitely don't talk about the people that God's using in the church. I'll say that. Hey, if you want to sit on a pew, that's all right. But don't take your time on a pew to talk about how everybody else is doing wrong when you aren't doing nothing. At least they're trying. At least they're attempting. At least they're doing something. Don't take your energy and start trying to disqualify them and talk against them. Now, I'm not saying anybody's done that, but i got to line it up and say it straight. We can't have that in the church of the living God. If you're going to just be on the pew, you're called to be a saint. That's an awesome calling. But take that opportunity to pray for everybody because the devil's trying one by one to disqualify anybody God uses. I'm just going to come out rear and preach, elder. I'm going to tell you, that's a lie of the devil, and it's not of God. That's a lie of the devil, and it's not of God. Anybody God uses, that means God's got his hand on them, and you ought to take your hand off them. Anybody God's attempting to speak through, to work through, you ought to just say, God, if you can use them, maybe you can use me. If you can, oh, somebody praise him. I feel it. Lift up your hands. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Come on, in the name of Jesus. On this Wednesday night, I'm coming against the spirits that have been lying to some folks. I'm, I'm telling you, the devil's been trying to work overtime to try to cause people to get so so out of order and out of whack. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to build a church, and it's going to be God's church, and we're going to do it God's way. He tried to disqualify him. If God chose to use them, be like David. I'm going to take my hands off. If God ever saw it fit to put hands on somebody and anoint them, he wouldn't even go after Saul even when he was throwing spears at him. Amen. hope nobody feels like I'm throwing spears at him. I'm not. I don't have anybody in mind. I'm throwing spears at the devil here today. I'm throwing... I don't have anybody in mind. I've just been praying all day at the church, and I've been feeling the devil coming by, and I can tell he's been talking to some people, and he's been working on some people, and I'm going to tell you as the pastor, I'm going to come in. Amen. If i got a squirt gun, I'm going to walk into hell, and I'm going to start putting the fire out. I'm going to throw spears at the devil and say, you're not going to have that in this church. It's not going to work in this church. We're going to have revival. We're going to have unity. And we will rebuild. And, oh, and we will have something happening. And God will move. Comes by. Tries every tactic to disqualify. And then finally, he just tries to wear people out. 
tactic of the enemy in the last time, last days is he's going to try to wear out the saints of the most high. Yeah. He'll try to wear people out and say, well, I'll just outweigh you. And I'll let you feel like what you're doing is not going fast enough. And finally, these builders come by, and they tell Nehemiah, who is at one point just a cupbearer. He's not, he's not a general contractor. He doesn't know half of anything. Amen. He really wasn't qualified to be in charge of everything. Uh, and, and I'm going to tell you, I, I, sometimes there's people, amen, that might be in that position. They don't feel like they're qualified for things. Uh, but if God anointed you, you walk in it. If God calls you, you walk in it and just know, you know what, whatever. I may not have my contracting degree, but whatever. I'm going to walk in it anyways. And here he goes. They come by and they go, we, we're getting the, 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 the burden bearers, the people that are carrying the heaviest load. The devil comes after the people carrying the load. Well, I haven't felt the devil at all. Well, you might start wondering. <laughs> I've never had a trial. Brother Reyes tells a story about how he's scared to go through a trial. But, uh, but you know, there's some people that, that well, I've never been through anything. What burden are you carrying? What load are you bearing? If you're really doing something for the kingdom of God, I would think the enemy would want to do something to attack you. If I was the devil, I'd come after the person that's holding the most weight. I'd come after the person that's holding the church up. I'd come after the person that's praying. I'd come after the person that's giving. I'd come after the person. Amen. You want to know why you're going through hell? The devil's trying to get you to decay. He's trying to get you worn out. He's trying to get your arms to come down. You've been going through hell because you've been fighting for heaven. You've been going through hell because you're doing the will of God. And he knows it. And you ought to know it. And you ought to just say, devil, you will not win. Devil, you will not win. I'm going to do the work of God. Oh, somebody praise him. Lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray for every burden bearer in the church. Let's pray for every prayer warrior in the church. Let's pray for every outreacher in the church. Let's pray for every preacher, every singer, every musician, every saint in the church. Somebody pray. Every man, every woman, every young person, uh, the devil knows uh, that if you bear that burden, uh, his kingdom's coming down. Uh, if you rebuild, uh, his kingdom's coming down. Uh, and he's trying to get you to decay. Uh, he's trying to get you to fall apart. Uh, he's trying to get you to lose your strength. And they say, we don't know if we can make it any longer. And there's some folks, the devil's been whispering in your all week, you can't make it. You, you know, you've done enough. You've come too far. You might as well stop now. And Nehemiah, in his, in his youthful ignorance, not really knowing what to do, huh, amen, he hit his knees and began to pray. When you don't know what to do, the best thing to do is pray. When you don't know the answer, the best answer is always hit your knees and pray. Amen. And I promise God will speak to you. And there he hits his knees and begins to pray, and he comes back with a word. And he says, you know what? we got a lot of gaps on the wall because the work's not done yet. Because Nehemiah was looking at the end product. He was looking at what it should be, not what it is. If you get focused on what it is, you'll miss what it should be. If you get so focused on the problems that there are right now, you'll never see what it will be. He'll get you so tripped up on what you see right now that you never get to the end result and see, oh, the reason that the wall was broken there is because we were going to rebuild it right here and this is what the end result was going to be. But you got to hold on to see that. And here, 
begins to say, well, the wall's been torn down, but I got an idea. Instead of complaining about all these gaps, instead of complaining about all these problems and all the things that aren't happening yet, and everybody's ready to quit on me, what he was saying. Everybody's ready to give up. Nehemiah had been in that position where he didn't know what to do. You know what he said? I got an idea. Go get your family. Go get your family and get everybody a sword and put them in the gaps. Because until there's a brick wall here, there's going to be somebody defending it. Until this job is finished, there will be somebody standing in the gap. Until the work is done, there will be somebody standing with a sword, with a spear, whatever they got. And they're ready for battle. And they're ready to defend. And they're ready to fight. They're not quitting. They're not leaving. They've got it made up in their mind. I got my sword in my hand and my hammer in the other. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to fight until the job is completed oh somebody praise him why don't we stand all across the building lift up your hands and let's pray somebody pray in the name of Jesus devil you thought you were going to get us to stop and quit but what you don't realize we just ramped it up we just started going to another level we just said you know what thank you for helping us to realize our weaknesses thank you for helping us realize we still got gaps and we still got issues and we still got problems I appreciate you pointing out because now I'm going to fight in it now I'm going to work for it now I'm going to defend it he said put the family in the gap talk about this to be boastful came by the church and I prayed for every chair I prayed for every chair yeah if you're sitting in a chair I pray for your chair not not to boast not, I'm not I hope that because I realize there's going to be chairs right now that are empty I don't know where everybody sits but I prayed and called out your names if I knew where you sit because some folks are habitual that's how we roll <laughs> And I begin to pray. God touched the Johnson family. All of them. Big Ben, I prayed for your chair because I know where you sit. I begin to pray, but I also know I've seen this chair empty way too long. And I started praying, there's a gap here. There's an empty chair here. And God, until you fill this chair, you can mark it down. I'll be here praying on it. He said, you go ahead and put your family in the gap. Stop visualizing the problems and what's not happening. Why don't you look at an empty chair next time you come to church and not see it as a problem, but see it as potential. Next time you come to church, look at an empty chair, and I want you to visualize. That's where my mama could pray through. That's where my brother could pray through. He said, fight every man uh, for his brothers, uh, for his sisters, uh, for his husband, for his wife. Uh, whatever the case may be, uh, you find that empty place uh, and you fight for it. Uh, you work for it. I'm going to pray over these empty chairs. And it might not be in this church, but I hope one day my mom prays through. 
and I'll fight until it happens. I'll work until it happens. I'll pray until it happens because it ain't time to quit. It ain't time to give in. It's not time to throw in the towel. It's time to say, you know what? There's a gap and I got something to pray for and I got something to work for and I got something to fight for. Lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, God's wanting to raise some people up that are warriors in the gap, fighters in the gap, builders in the gap, that are saying, you know what? Don't worry. Don't get discouraged. I'm praying for that one right there. I'm working with that one right there. I'm going to say this and we're going to pray. I'm not trying to belabor it. He said, you put the families in the gap. So the next time the burdens of bearers get weary and they feel like giving up, they can look in the gap and they can see their family there with a sword. They can see somebody in the gap. And he said, you know what? This goes the same for the fighters as well as the workers. He's saying you need to feel, next time you feel discouraged and you feel like quitting, you need to look in that gap. You need to look in that empty chair and say, God's still got a purpose for me. God's still, I got to keep going. I got to stay strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Because the work's not done yet. Lift up your hands and let's pray. I'm done preaching. Come on, come on. The devil wants you to fall through the gap, but God wants you to stand in the gap. The devil wants you to fall by the wayside, but God is saying, why don't you stand there with your sword in one hand and your hammer in the other? Work and fight, work and fight until it's done. I want to open up this altar. Would you come and pray? Come on. In the name of Jesus, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a battle to be fought. And it's going to be fought by this group right here. It's going to be fought by these people right here. God needs somebody to stand in the gap. And God needs somebody to fight for the gap. God needs somebody to pray for the gap. God needs somebody to work for the gap. God wants somebody to come through. Let's pray. Let's pray. Somebody pray. Devil, you're a liar. Devil, you're a liar. And there's some folks that might be weary, but they're not done. They might be worn down, but they're not worn out. And they've got something to fight for. they got something to pray for. they got something to work for. And as a church, as an apostolic church, we're going to keep pressing. We're going to keep pressing until it's finished.
That's it. Somebody pray. Come on, if you haven't prayed yet, I want to invite you to come to this altar and pray. Come on. Find your place. Amen. With the, with the work. Find your place in the battle and begin to fight. Begin to work. Amen. And do it in Jesus' name.
All across this building, lift up your hands and let's worship Him. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. God's looking to raise some people up. God's looking to raise a church up that's got a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other. We're ready for war, but we're ready to work. And we're not quitting. We're not backing up. We're not backing down. We won't be worn down or worn out. We're going to do the will of God. Somebody pray. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving through this building. I feel it. I feel it. There's some folks you just shook the lie of the devil off tonight. You just shook that burden that you've been feeling from the devil off tonight. You took up the burden of God. It's lighter. It's easier. Do the will of the Lord. 